Hello, church. <laughs> hello, Rehope West End, and hello to you joining us online today. Christmas season is here, and we are kicking off this season of Advent and the run-up to Christmas with the theme of hope. It's an absolute joy and honor to speak with you today. Hope is a word that our church is named after, a church about hope, regarding hope. Is there hope? Yes, is the reply. There is hope because of Jesus. If we've lost hope, we can re-hope in Jesus. I'm excited to talk about that today, the first theme of Advent as we prepare for the coming of Jesus. So what is hope? Hope is the expression, the emotion, the feeling that there is something more than we can see at the moment, a feeling of trust. Our big hope as Christians is putting our faith and our trust in God, in God who loves us and Jesus who saves us and in the Holy Spirit who is with us. So a reminder of the English version or the English definition of the word of hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen, a feeling of trust. I sure hope that I wore the right jacket for the weather today. I hope that I have a lot of eggnog lattes this season. I hope you have a nice day. I hope you are doing well. Kiss, kiss. I hope my message comes together okay for Sunday. And I sure hope that I don't get pinged. <laughs> I hope that my friends who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. I hope to see God move in answered prayer and breakthrough for my friends and family who are struggling hard right now, for the big prayers that I pray over my children and over this church, and for the long prayed prayers for my fasting card that we do each January. I hope that Jesus forgives me for that thing that I said, that thing that I did, and I hope for that eternal glory to rest and to be with God someday. We use the word hope in our day-to-day -day English much like we use the word love for like relatively small casual things and for really big things, really important things. And that's fine. It's just kind of how it is. But we just don't want to lose the rich meaning of the word hope, especially as the Bible describes it. The best news about hope for us as believers in Jesus is that our like feelings of optimism or our positive mindset or desires for good things to happen are actually anchored in something solid and sure. The Bible! God's promises, eternity. Hope has much more depth and substance. There are two words that I want you to remember today with regard to the word hope. Two words that have helped me better understand biblical hope. These two words are trust and faith. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. And trust is an actual definition of hope from the English dictionary. And we sure see a lot of the theme of trust in the Bible, so that's great. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Hope is a feeling, an emotion, an expression of trust and faith. So our Advent reading today was from Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. Thank you so much to the readers. This is from the Old Testament, before Jesus walked on the earth, hundreds of years earlier. The people were being taken from their promised land. They had been rebelling against God for a long time and not walking with him. They were in a season of discipline. But God is compassionate, and he has a plan. He had a plan for them. He gave Isaiah prophecies about the coming Messiah to share with the people. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. 
the people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing the spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom from now and forever to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. This prophecy from Isaiah is full of hope. Isaiah reminds them of God's past deliverance in Midian in verse 4. The day of Midian refers to earlier events in Judges 6-7 through when Gideon, with just a handful of troops, but with the power of God, defeated the oppressive Midianites and expelled them from their land. The type of deliverance, the prophetic pronouncement in Isaiah, um, how he pictures it, seems impossible. After all, Assyria was a world power and God's people were weak and crushed. And they hadn't been walking with him. But God, through Isaiah, wants to remind the people of his past deliverance to give them hope for a future deliverance that they can't yet see. There's an easy application for us there too. Remembering past times when God is rescued renews our hope. But most, most importantly, I want to highlight from today's Advent reading the bit about the promised child that will be born. The titles given to this child, the description of his kingdom, far surpass anything that applies to like a future um, near future earthly king. The only feasible interpretation of this passage is messianic, meaning the Messiah, Jesus. This child will be given names that signify his character. He will be a sage characterized by extraordinary wisdom, wonderful counselor. He will have life that is never ending, eternal father. He will bring peace, the prince of peace. But the most extraordinary thing, the extraordinary thing of all is his title, mighty God. In the New Testament, Jesus is identified as the descendant of David who fulfilled this great promise. The book of Isaiah is quoted all over the New Testament. At the start of Matthew, we read an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then in verse 22, now all of this, Mary pregnant from the Holy Spirit, Joseph's dream, the instruction to name the child Jesus, took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then, when Joseph awoke from his dream and did as the angel had commanded him, he obeyed, even though it was probably confusing, out of the ordinary, or made him look foolish, and Joseph didn't even have the whole plan. Imagine that. <laughs> Joseph and Mary, and what they did, how they responded, the faith and the trust, the hope that they walked in, According to what God had told them, it's just marvelous. The Christmas story is so marvelous. It's so inspiring. But back to the Isaiah reading from today, something kind of cool. Within the names given, do we see a wee glimpse of the Trinity there? Wonderful counselor, like the Holy Spirit, who's our helper. The Prince of Peace, like Jesus, the Son. The Eternal Father, our perfect Father God, perhaps. This is something to treasure as we lean in and we learn about who God is. The kingdom of God, this promised son who will usher in the kingdom of God, is far bigger than a ruler of the next world power that may last for a few hundred years. Um, 
Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God that Ruth preached about last week um, with Jesus' parable of the seeds. Jesus taught more on what his kingdom is like through all of the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament. And you can read more about what it is like there, how it is eternal, that it is worth it all, what the qualities are of the kingdom of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work. Marvel throughout history how the kingdom of God has continued on through the ages. Lord, build your church, your idea for your kingdom. But let's get back to our little study on hope. Let's take a quick Bible tour of hope, looking at some verses that jumped out to me, remembering that our definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and, and anticipation and emotion and expression of our faith and trust in God. Nowhere better to learn about this hope than from the Bible, and I tried really hard to cull some of these down, but they're all so good. So I'm going to read some of my favorites on hope from the Bible. For I know the plans I have for you, this is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Now in this hope we were saved, yet hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love hopes all things. And finally... We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for our lives, firm and secure. I love this imagery from Hebrews in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is writing about the promise to Abraham of blessing and multiplication, which Abraham had to believe in trust and faith and wait patiently for a really long time. Paul directs us to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I love that verb there, seize. It just implies an action, a, a strong grip, a reaching out. What can we do to seize that hope? How can we up the hope in our lives? How can we partner with hope and walk with hope? Maybe a quick life check here. Um, do you have regular rhythms of Bible reading and prayer and worship? So simple, just back to those simple simple things. They're, they're classics for a reason because they build hope in our lives. Maybe you are in a season where you are very disappointed and discouraged. Hope might be really hard for you right now. I have compassion on you and your difficult circumstances. Life is full of troubles and some people have more troubles than others and so we must have compassion for one another. Trust that God sees and don't give up fighting for hope. We all can like reflect and we can pour out our laments to God persistently and humbly asking for God's mercy and for his rescue. Maybe you say, I'm a naturally cynical person. I'm a naturally negative person. You are resisting hope, perhaps. It's actually a stubbornness that you have in your heart. Satan, our enemy, wants you to be hopeless. He wants you to stay hopeless and to speak out hopeless things. Don't partner with that stubbornness, friend. We have some fantastic reasons to hope 
as believers. And here they are. I'm going to read out some reasons for hope that I that I put together this week. Hope is here, like our theme for Christmas here at Rehope. Hope is here. Jesus saves. We are rescued and forgiven. Praise God. Another reason for hope is no one is too hopeless for God's rescue. Uh, God's silence doesn't mean that he is absent. We can we need to hold on to hope. He is working even though we can't see it. God is compassionate big time. This far outweighs his discipline. We can have hope because God does not enjoy bringing affliction or suffering on mankind. We can have hope because God does not look favorably on humanity's cruelty and, his, and injustice. No injustice falls outside God's control or his oversight. He sees it all and he keeps accurate books. We can have hope in that. God's perfect justice. We can have hope that God will make all things right and all things new. And we can have hope that we have, we, we have hope because we have the promise of his presence with us now and for eternity. Yes. <laughs> so I have a little story here for you, a little story before I close up. It's, it's kind of silly. It's about pampas grass. Um, the analogy of it works, so bear with me here. But I thought to myself, hmm, it sure would be great to have my own pampas plant Pampas seems kind of trendy right now, and I could grow some up, some of my own. And I, I was at the garden center with Courtney back in October of 2020, and I spotted this cute little pampas plant. It looked very healthy. It had three, three fluffy stems, and I planted it in my garden where I could see it from my window. Excited about the free pampas in my future, imagining a, a huge, vast array of pampas <laughs> at my disposal. Our building has about 13 flats and a common garden area. There's a seasoned gardener. His name is Anthony, and he's been tending this mature garden for well over 20 years. We've lived in the building for seven years, so he's been there well before us. And Anthony's a good gardener. I've been learning a lot about like plants and gardening over the last seven years. And I've really enjoyed noticing like what Anthony does in the garden and how he works the garden and how he tends it differently in different seasons. Anthony's a good gardener. The entire building is blessed by his skill. Like we all feel like we've hit the jackpot with Anthony as the gardener. Well, one day in lockdown, I think around March or April, I was sitting on a Zoom call looking out and, and in, in the window, and I looked out just in time to see Anthony just chop all three of the little fluffy pampas off the plant, three of the stems, and throw them in the bin. What just happened? I was just in shock. So many questions. So many thoughts and feelings. <laughs> like, was, was the plant unhappy and I hadn't realized? Was Anthony upset that I planted the pampas plant in the garden? Did I plant the wrong does Anthony not know that pampas is like having a moment and you shouldn't cut off the stems and throw them in the bin these are precious <laughs> these were some of my inner questions um, so much shock but after that after that initial shock wore off I kept coming back to this simple truth but I know that Anthony's a good gardener for seven years I've seen it so three months three months or so go by one day I'm out and I'm you know, putting the trash in the bin and I glance over and I see some fresh brown soil around the pampas plant, kind of just right up against it, all around it. Do I dare to hope? There's a wee bit of hope there in my heart. Does Anthony have hope for the pampas? He obviously put some fresh soil there. Maybe he doesn't like the stems of it, but he's cool with like the green grassy bit. 
I don't know what he's up to, but it's interesting. And there's a tiny glimmer there of hope. Another two, two or three months go by, and now it's like September, October just there, and I look out my window and I see some light texture on the pampas plant. So I go outside and I check it out, and what do you think happened? What do you think I saw? Six pampas stems, praise be. <laughs> now the plant is still really small, as you can tell, but it's doubled, you guys. It doubled. And the six fluffy new stems are thriving and they continue to thrive. Anthony is a good gardener. He knows what he's doing. So I'm sure that you can see some easy applications from this little story about my pampas plant. Sometimes our circumstantial hopes do in fact die, but sometimes they grow back with double the pampas. But the moral of my little story is that we have to keep coming back to trusting the good gardener God right? Hope is trusting. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> I love that song Promises by Maverick City. It comes up regularly on my um, running playlist. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. It also goes on. God's faithfulness will never run out. It reminds me of the Hebrews imagery earlier. We have this hope as an anchor for our lives. And there's a moment in the song where the two lead singers, like as the song is like swelling and it's big and it's awesome and the like all the instruments and every, you know, it's just loud and it's great. And then one, one of the lead singers sings the word faith and one sings the word trust and they sing it at this very same time. It's beautiful, whether it's intentional or unintentional. I put my faith trust in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. I just love that. Hope is trust and faith. And one last encouragement from one of Brian's recent messages, why should I keep hoping in God? Because God is awesome and I want his favor. That is why we keep trusting, we keep anchoring in Jesus, even if we don't understand. We keep pressing forward into the ways of God, knowing who, who he is, even when the waiting is long and we don't see the answer. Because God is worth it and we want his favor. So don't give up on hope this season. I believe that if you change your thinking and the words that you speak out over even just one area of discouragement in your life, it will have a knock-on effect because hope is really powerful. Resist speaking out words of despair and hopelessness. Start with like one area of your life, a relationship or a situation where you notice that you tend to be really negative. Just choose to walk in the opposite spirit to that and speak hope over that situation. And then maybe add another aspect of your life and watch hope multiply. We do this because it shows that we have trust and faith in God. Keep persisting in prayer for those unanswered prayers. You aren't alone. Join the crew here who are also praying and waiting for some answers. We are, we are called to hope as believers. So we don't want to lose sight of that. Let's think about how we can be more hopeful this Advent season. I have a, one challenge for you today. I'd like you to ask yourself, am I feeling hopeless about a circumstance in my life? Identify a circumstance in your life where you are struggling to have hope. Make a declaration of hope to God saying, I will choose to keep trusting, hoping in Jesus in this area. Maybe you need to reclaim some hope in your life today, throwing off the negative, like negative thoughts and behavior patterns. You're a Christian, you've got that faith and trust, but not the feeling or emotion or expression of hope. You're in a difficult circumstance or you're just out of the practice of hope. Let's bring that to God in this moment. Maybe you need to return to Jesus. His love is available to you. 
There's no hopeless situation without our God. There's always hope. We can turn to him. No lost causes or hopeless situation. He has a thousand ways that he can rescue an impossible situation. So let God breathe hope over your life. He is compassionate and forgiving, so don't be shy about returning to God. It is worth it. And maybe you need to give your, your life to Jesus, to God, for the first time today. Putting your, putting your hope in Jesus, putting your trust and your faith with him there for the first time. It's as simple as that. You can pray something like this along with me as I close. Father God, I don't always feel or understand your hope and your ways, and that's okay. But I know that I need you, and I choose to put my faith and my trust in you. I have sinned, I have done things that are wrong and not according to your holy way. My heart has been stubborn toward you. Please forgive me. I put my trust in you. I put my hope in you. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Amen.